Well, hey, everybody. How are we doing? Hi, guys. Those are my high schoolers, if you don't know. Um, uh, so good to be with you guys today. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Blaze. I'm the high school youth pastor. And I love... Thank you. Yeah, it's okay. We get it. Thank you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I love my job. I really, really love my job. I love my students, love the adult leaders. Um, and it's really fun for me because... Uh, every once in a while, I get to uh, preach God's Word on Sunday morning, and I'm really, really excited. Um, so we are in a series called Christmas for Us Misfits. Rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Sounds good. It's got a good ring to it. Uh, but we're going to be in the book of, of Luke, uh, and, and we're going to be at chapter 7. And what I want to do is I want to talk to you from uh, the topic of shame today. Shame. Everybody say shame. Wherever you're at, say shame. Shame. We're going to talk about shame today. And, and I think shame is a, is a re- very real feeling that if we're honest with ourselves, um, if, if uh, we were going to have a conversation, we would probably say that, that shame is something that we all uh, have in common. It's something that we all have experienced or maybe are, are currently experienced. Maybe, maybe you came um, today, whether it's online or, or to Millard or Elkhorn or Mod 7, maybe you came today feeling like you have to uh, put a mask on. Because honestly, you're kind of ashamed of, of what's going on inside. And so you don't feel like you can be real with anybody because you're, you're, you're too embarrassed by, by the things that you have done or are currently doing. Maybe uh, you're here today and, and you feel like um, you have been falling short of people's expectations. Maybe it's parents that you feel like you're not exceeding their expectations or other family members um, and, and that causes shame in your life. You feel embarrassed because you're not meeting the bar. Maybe you're just disappointed with your own choices. And so you feel ashamed of your, yourself. You know, for me, and, and maybe you relate with this, I, um, I think that some of you will, but, but I have felt shame in my relationship with God. There, there, I'm only 26 years old, but there was a period of my life where, where shame um, dictated how I, how I viewed God. And I have said things like this, and maybe you also have said things like this. I said, God wants nothing to do with me. God, you don't want anything to do with me because of the sin that is going on inside of me. And so what I, what I did for such a long time was I, I allowed my sin uh, to dictate how I thought God looked at me and, and how he felt about me. We've all experienced shame in, in one way or another. You know, this last Monday, uh, Hannah, my wife, she is amazing. We have been married for three years. Yeah. That's worth a clap. Thank you. Uh, um, but we were at a uh, friend's uh, dinner party just on Monday, just some friends getting together, and uh, we were just having conversation, and we were being real with one another. We were talking about, like, where we are actually at in a relationship with God, like how, how are we actually doing? And um, one of my friends, he said something that I will never forget. I will never, ever forget it. He, he described his relationship with God as if he was playing a game of shoots and ladders. Now, by a show of hands, no matter where you are, how many of you have ever heard of or have ever played shoots and ladders? Yes, I am not the only one. That's great. Um, but if, you, if you've played this game, you know that this game is so frustrating. And we had the, the 1954 edition at home. Um, 
was really fun to play. I played with my sister and, and my mom and my dad. And, um, but this game is so frustrating. And if you don't know how to play this game, um, your objective is to get from square one to square 100. And you would do that by flicking this little spinner. Now, I don't know if you know this or if you ever experienced this, but, but the spinner literally never stayed attached to the cardboard. So you'd like flick the spinner and it would go somewhere else, right? So frustrating. All avenues, elements of this game was so frustrating. But, but the objective was to get from square to square one to square 100. And you would do that by flicking the spinner and then how many ever, whatever number it landed on, that's the, the amount of paces you would go. And so you'd be playing the game, and, and if you hit a ladder, that was good because that meant you were, you were getting towards your goal, right? You were, you were getting towards 100, but then if you hit a shoot, that was bad. And you would come plummeting down. All the progress you had made comes tumbling down. And now I don't know if uh, you remember square 87, but it was the worst square because you would work so hard at getting all the way to the top, and then it would send you all the way back down. And it was the worst. It was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. And you know, I think a lot of us, we approach God this way. We, we approach our relationship with God as if we're playing a game of shoots and ladders where, where, where we're, we're climbing the ladder. We're getting closer and closer and closer and closer to God. And then all of a sudden we hit a shoot. We fall into a sin. And it sends us spiraling back down to where we started. And we, we continue in this game of ups and, and ups and downs where we feel like we have to earn God's love, but, but in reality we don't. And, and what we're going to see today is that because of the blood of Jesus, like if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are already at square 100. Like your relationship with God does not have to be a game. It is not a game, but it is a loving, beautiful relationship because of what he did through Jesus on the cross. And so what I want to do is we're going we're gonna to look at a, at a passage, and, and if, you're, if you're resonating with any of this, I just want to say that I'm, I'm so glad that you are here. Because we're going we're gonna to look at Luke chapter 7, and, and we're going to read a story um, that, that tells us that, that shame it does not have to be a part of your life. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a part of your life because Jesus overcame it on the cross. And so what I want to do is I want to pray, and then we're going to get into our story. Everybody doing okay? We good? Okay, all right, let's pray. God, thank you um, just for the, the time that we get to have together. God, whether we're at Mod 7 or whether we're just watching online, or we're at Elkhorn, or we're here at Millard. God, God, I just pray that you would speak to every single one of us. God, that as when we leave here today, we would, we would believe that, that shame does not have to be a part of our life. We do not have to be defined by our past mistakes, but we, we get to be defined by you. So God, be with us. Speak to our hearts. Would our hearts be open? God, we love you, and we pray these things in your name. Everyone said, amen. Awesome. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, like I said, and, and we're going to go ahead and read the uh, verses 36 through 38. And, and what I want to do is I want to read these verses, and then I'm going to describe and, and uh, introduce you to our characters. And I'm going to do that because, because we need to know who our characters are. So, so I'm just going to ask you to hang with me as I, as I um, 
talk about our characters and our setting, but let's, let's get into verse 36, Luke chapter 7. It said, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So the first character that we meet is, is a Pharisee. And if you were to keep reading the, um, this passage, you would, you would see that his name is Simon. And Simon is a Pharisee, and he would have been really, really well known in this town. And he would have been well known because he was very, very knowledgeable. And so if he was to be walking down the street, people would know, okay, that's Simon. He's a Pharisee. He knows everything there is to know about the Old Testament. He would have been very smart. He would have been someone that, that pursued the law, followed the law at all costs. He was a man that, that pursued righteousness. But, but what we're going to see today in this passage and, and what we're going to learn about him is, is that Simon also really, really looked down on people that were not like him, that didn't hold the same values or, or live the same lifestyle as, as he did. And so Simon invites our second character, and maybe you have heard of him. His name is Jesus, over to his house. And Jesus, what you need to know about Jesus is, is that Jesus, uh, at this point of his life, he's full on into his ministry. Jesus, from age 30 to 33, spends, spends time healing people. And, and what you see in this, actually in Luke chapter 7, if you were just to go back a few verses, before this, Jesus actually raises a, a boy, a widow's son, from the dead. And so Jesus is, is doing these miracles, and, and he's gaining a lot of attention. He's gaining a lot of attention, and people are following him around. And, and because people are following him around, he takes that opportunity to teach. And I just want to, like, geek out for a moment. Is that okay with you if I just geek out for a second? Okay, so if you, if you harmonize all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay, harmonize just means that we're putting all of the events of those books in order and putting them in chronological order. So if you were to put all of the events in order, right before Simon invites Jesus over to his house, Jesus is actually teaching Matthew chapter 11. And so I want to read to you what Jesus says before he goes to Simon's house. So verses 28 through 30, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So after Jesus taught this, the next recorded event in our Bibles is, is that Jesus goes over to Simon's house. And now I just want to give you a mental image, and I, and I want you to put yourself in this setting. I want you to be able to see the characters having dinner. And so, and so what would have happened in, in this uh, time period was, was that there wasn't a lot of uh, entertainment, things to do for entertainment. So when two really famous people got together, Simon, who would have been really well known for knowing a lot of things, being a Pharisee, Jesus, really well known for, for healing people, when they got together, it was the talk of the town. Everyone was talking about it. And so what'd they do? They didn't have Netflix 
to watch at home. They didn't have Hulu to watch at home. So what they did was they decided to go to Simon's house, and, and, and they wanted to hear what Jesus and Simon are, are going to talk about. And so inside the, the walls, like all of the inner walls of Simon's house would have been full of people. And out in the courtyard, there would have been tons of people. And I just want you to picture yourself as one of those people as we watch this story unfold together. So Jesus and, and Simon are, are having dinner, and, and then enters our third character. And uh, she's known as the sinful woman. And I'm sure you're asking this question because I asked this question myself. Why is the sinful woman even there? Like, why, why is she even a part of the story? She doesn't belong here. If anybody is a misfit, it is this woman. Because we have Simon, who is a Pharisee, who's pursuing righteousness. And then we have Jesus, who is God in the flesh. They are coming together. And then enters this woman who, who doesn't really seem to belong. And when the Bible refers to her as a sinful woman, um, it, it, it tells us that, that she is a, a prostitute. That would have meant that she would, would be selling her body for money. Like, honestly, she doesn't even belong in this story. And, and everyone inside of Simon's house, you, if you are there, you would have known who this woman was. If you were to look up uh, Luke chapter 7 in the ESV version of the Bible, it says that she was a woman of the city. Which, which meant that she was very, very well known for what she was all about. She was very well known for her job, for selling her, money, or for selling her body for money. Everyone would have known as she enters into Simon's house, that woman is a prostitute. She is full of shame. And so why does she enter? Like, why is she even here? And I think the reason is that she may have heard Jesus' message in Matthew chapter 11, she would have heard Jesus say the words, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. She would have heard Jesus say those words. And Jesus is, is offering her something that no one has ever offered her. She is living a life of, of, of just tiredness, like, like just Keep going, and, and she's being abused, and, and, and Jesus is offering her rest. And so because this is, this is something that she is being offered, and she's never been offered this before, her reaction is, i got to go find Jesus. I need to go talk to him. And she hears that, that he's over at Simon's house, and so she goes there. That's why she's there. And so in all of her shame, all of her guilt, we're watching her walk into Simon's house, and she begins to weep. She begins to cry. And it's because of the love that she has for Jesus. Through, through one moment as she watched him teach, she knew that, that he loved her and that, she was, that he was offering her something that no one else has offered her. And she sees him because ultimately Jesus is about to change her life forever. And she can't help but cry. And she notices that his feet are, are dirty, which is something that Simon, the, the Pharisee, should have taken care of. And in, back in that Jewish culture, like if you went over to, your, to someone's house as a guest, 
you would wash their feet if they were dirty. That was just what you did. And this gives us a window into what, like, how Simon felt about Jesus. If he didn't wash his feet, this, this tells us that, that, um, that he didn't really love Jesus. That, that, that he didn't really love him enough to actually wash his feet. It, it tells us why he actually invited him over there. And he invited him over there because he wanted to challenge Jesus. He didn't want to learn from Jesus. He didn't want to grow in a relationship with Jesus. He wanted to challenge Jesus. He wanted to stump Jesus. It's something that Simon should have done that he failed to do. The woman who is shameful, who is hurting, the one who received no love from anyone is showing the most love. She bent down into her pool of tears, let her hair out, which would have been very, very inappropriate in that culture. And she began to clean Jesus' feet. What an intimate moment. This, this woman, this sinful woman could have allowed her shame, her past, to get in the way of her pursuing Jesus. But she lays all of, all of that aside and goes to Jesus' feet. And just as her tears are falling to the feet of Jesus, so is her shame. So is her shame. And I, and I don't want you to miss this. If you, if you remember one thing, I, I want it to be this. And, and honestly, when, when I have something that I want to tell my high schoolers, like that I don't want them to miss, I say, I want, I want to see your eyes. And so what I want is I want everyone to look at me in the eyes because I do not want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. There is no sin too great that Jesus cannot overcome. There is no shame too deeply rooted in your life that Jesus cannot overcome. Jesus is ready to forgive you. He is ready to extend his grace to you. It doesn't matter how deep the sin is. It doesn't matter how many times you've fallen into that sin. Jesus is so ready to forgive and to love on you. Shame does not have to be a part of your life because Jesus already defeated it when he died on the cross for you and for me. He has won. So our story continues after this very intimate moment. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him. Now remember, Jesus is answering Simon's thought, right? Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. And I can only imagine that that was said uh, sarcastically. Tell me, teacher. And so he goes into a parable. Verse 41, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he gave the forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one uh, that had a bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Now, there is a really, 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 really important principle that I want you to see in this passage, okay? Jesus tells Simon a parable. And in this parable, there are, there are two, well, three characters one character owns 500 denarii. 
One character owns 50. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about student debt, okay, because that's my life right now, okay? So I own $50,000 of student debt. That's not an actual number, but that's just the number I'm giving you, okay? $50,000 of student debt, right? And the other person owes $500 of student debt. Now, if they're both forgiven, which is going to love the money lender more? Obviously the one that has $50,000 of student debt, like Jesus is, he's teaching us a principle that when we see how much we have been forgiven, when we recognize all of the sin that we've been forgiven, we are going to fall in love with Jesus so much more. So much more. I think about my life. I have done some of the worst things. Abusing drugs, abusing alcohol, a long time of my life, I was addicted to pornography. But because of God's grace, because of his unending grace, I do not allow my sin to drive me to shame. Rather, my sin drives me to Jesus' feet. Drives me to his feet. The sinful woman, she was so aware of her sin that she couldn't do anything except for weep and clean Jesus' feet. And what I'm afraid that so many of us do, I am so guilty of this, I've done this so many times, is that we, we do this. So this trash can, you've probably been wondering why this is up here. Um, but this trash can, it represents all of our sin. It represents your sin. It represents my sin. Some of you, it might be pornography. It could be that. It could be bitterness. It could be greed. It could be um, gossip. Like, whatever, whatever your sin is, it goes in here. And what so many of us do, what I did for so long, was I just held on to it. I allowed shame to stop me from putting this at Jesus' feet. I was too embarrassed to take it to him. I was too embarrassed to take my sin before Jesus, and so I just held on to it. And what happens when we hold on to this shame and, and this sin is, is we... We start to think about ourselves differently. Like God doesn't want anything to do with me. He doesn't love me. And then because we have a poor view of ourselves, we, we start to treat other people differently. We hold on to this, hold on to something that we were never, ever, ever supposed to hold on to. And what Jesus is saying at this parable is that it doesn't, it doesn't matter what's in here. It doesn't matter what you've done at the, in the past. But it does, it does matter what you do with it. And what we do with it is we need to take it to the feet of Jesus and just lay it at his feet. Because honestly, I can't, I cannot overcome my own sin. You cannot overcome your own shame. But Jesus can. He can and he will. We are no longer bound to our shame. We are no longer bound to our past. There is freedom in Jesus' name, there is a freedom that he offers through his death and his resurrection. Is there something in your life that you're holding on to? Is there something in your life that you're allowing shame to cripple you? Is there something stopping you from laying your sins at the feet of Jesus? Laying your shame at the feet of Jesus? And I promise, this is a guarantee I can say this with 100% confidence, that if you repent of the sins 
if you, if you turn away from the things that you did in the past, you lay them at the feet of Jesus, you are going to fall so much more in love with him. Because you realize, like, I, I can't believe he forgave me for those. Like, those are horrible things that I have done, but yet his love is not earned. His love for me is not based on the things that I have done or will do. He loves me. And I can let go of those things and step into the life that he offers. But I promise you will fall more in love with him if you just recognize the sin that is in your life and you lay it before his feet. So let's look at how our our story ends, verse 44. It says, Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. Verse 48, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. I mean, think about this scene. Like, remember, you're there. You're, you're watching this unfold. And, Je- and Jesus looks at Simon, and he tells, her, tells him all of the things that the woman has done for him. I mean, think about it. If you were this woman, Jesus is, is he's not talking directly to you, but he's talking about you to Simon. Like, that might, th- those words might have been the first time that she had been encouraged in a really long time. And then Jesus looks at her. He looks at her in the eyes. Jesus, so intentional with this woman. The first words that he says to her is, your sins have been forgiven. They're forgiven. They're as far as the east is from the west. They're gone. They're in the past. They're going to stay in the past. I just want you for a moment to imagine Jesus, the king of the universe, looking at you in the eyes and saying these exact words. Your sins are forgiven. They're forgiven. If you would just lay them at his feet, they are forgiven. Such a beautiful, beautiful moment. You are not bound by your sin. Because it was defeated on the cross. Let's read how our our story ends. Luke 49, uh, chapter 7, verse 49, it says, it says, the other guests began to say among themselves, and they're like, they're they're chattering, they're um, they're questioning Jesus, and and he he like completely ignores them. He doesn't pay any attention to them, and, and he, Jesus said to the woman, then he turns to the woman, he says this, He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. The woman, the sinful woman, the shameful woman, the woman that has been selling her body for money, she entered into that house broken, ashamed, full of guilt, 
identified by her past. When people looked at her, they knew who she was because of what she had did. And she walks out of Simon's house forgiven, full of purpose, unashamed. She has been made completely new. And I want you to understand something. I want you to understand how how deep this woman's sin is. She, She entered into that house carrying an alabaster jar of perfume. And this, this would have meant that she was really, really good at her job because an alabaster jar of perfume was very, very expensive. So it would have showed us that her sin was so deep. It was so deep. It was deep enough for her to afford something that was extremely expensive. It was so deep, so deeply rooted in her life. But yet she walks out of the house completely made new, forgiven, unashamed, not bound by her past, but she's able to step into the future and she's able to walk in peace, knowing that her past does not identify her, but but King Jesus identifies her. Listen, no matter how deep your shame is, no matter how deep your sin is, Jesus has overcome it. He's overcome it. You don't have to do anything except lay it at his feet. That's it. And there's a life that he offers that is so amazing. And maybe you walked into, into church today or joined us online today feeling broken, ashamed, full of guilt. I want you to know today that you can walk out of here feeling unashamed. Not being bound by your past. Because there is hope in Jesus. If you keep reading the book of Luke, you will read that Jesus went to a cross for you and for me. And he paid for every single one of our sins. Every single one of your sins. He paid for them all. He bore the penalty that we deserved. He carried the weight that we should carry. But we no longer have to carry it. So let us go in peace. Living freely as the people that God created us to be. Not playing this game of shoots and ladders where we feel like we have to earn God's love. And, and then when we sin, we, we fall back down again. Like There's peace in knowing Jesus. And his burden is light. You don't have to carry anything because he carried it for you. Shame, it does not have to be a part of your life because Jesus has already overcome it. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful for your goodness that you would love people like us, that you would send Jesus to die for us. God, I pray that as we leave today, we would walk out of here knowing that you have overcome all of our sin. That we don't have to try to earn your love. God, we already have it. And would we walk freely in that? Jesus, you are so good. And now would we respond in just singing 
praises to you because you are so, so worthy. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.